Hello everyone, welcome to That Food Podcast. My name's Stu and I'm joined as always by my good friend Matt. Matt, how are you doing this week? Well, uh, pancakes are very calorific, aren't they? Crikey they are. <laughs> how was your pancake day? Very nice. So yesterday uh, we double pancaked, which you can see on my Twitter feed on at Coach Wicked. Um, and it turns out I've probably consumed about 2,000 uh, worth of uh, calories yesterday. So uh, Holy... just pancakes alone as well. No toppings included. Holy moly. Because I, <laughs> I'm i obviously still doing my quite intense fitness at the moment. And after a Valentine's Day roast um, and lots of indulgence, I stood on, stepped on the scales yesterday and I was like, how has this happened? <laughs> What's happened here? And that was before any pancakes. So when pancakes are made yesterday evening and we just went for the crepe style pancakes i said to my wife i said i will have one and that's what i had with a little bit of lemon a little bit of sugar um but what did what topping so you did american style in the morning didn't you then crepes in the afternoon well crepes in the evening what did you do topping wise well so yes we did do the uh, double we double pancake we had american in the afternoon for lunch i guess you'd call it and we had a bit of a revelation in terms of toppings there we actually used uh, greek yogurt which was Ooh. really nice so we had Greek yogurt, uh, maple syrup, and blueberries, and that was delicious. Uh, highly recommend that. And then in the evenings, we had the more traditional, I suppose, in the UK traditional style of a uh, crepe uh, pancake. Um, and we had, well, my favorite topping and my traditional topping is, um, and I don't know how you feel about this, Stu, but lemon and sugar. It's the classic. It's the original, and it's the best. Um, I have seen people's uh, postings. We've seen, obviously, Nutella. We've seen other forms of chocolate spread. Some people making savoury pancakes in the evenings. My wife wrapped Biscoff spread in one of hers, which seemed which smelled Ooh. amazing. Yes, I also went for a Biscoff one too. So um, there you go. Add some more uh, calories on. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we covered it on our first episode, but how much exercise would you need to do just to uh, counteract your, ca- your pancake calories alone? Well, I did a hit session this morning, which was uh, 220 calories <laughs> burnt. Um, so what's that? You're the mathematician. Uh, what's that, 10%? Just just over 10%. Uh, and, uh, and, <laughs> and that's that's quite a long way to go. But, you know, you are you are a healthy chap. So it's as we've always said, it's fine to indulge on occasion um, as we go well, through. No wonder they call it um, Fat Tuesday in New York. <laughs> yeah. <Mardi Gras. laughs> I'm definitely seeing the old muffin top kicking in this morning. <laughs> But are you going to be giving up anything for Lent? Obviously, the whole concept of Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Day leading into Lent. Uh, people give things up. Is there anything you're going to be giving up other than eating pancakes? Yeah, good question. I was thinking about this morning, actually. Um, so I am going borderline turning completely vegetarian, I think. So I was thinking about, and I probably won't, um, because a dish that I've chosen this, this, this for this week actually involves chicken, um, without giving too much away. The uh, The idea of completely removing uh, meat from my diet isn't going to happen um just before this i actually gave up alcohol for 30 plus days which i uh, did very well at so um finished new year's eve i think it was or new year's day um i didn't drink until my birthday which is the 5th of february um so i've already given a lot to you <laughs> <laughs> um so how about you have you got any ideas anything you're going to give up for lent no, because I'm already on quite a controlled diet at the moment. I think to myself, if I've got enough calories for a bit of chocolate or a treat, I'm going to have it. 
<laughs> so it's um i i support anyone who is giving up anything for lent let us know what you're giving up on our twitter at that food podcast um and let us know what you'll be giving up for lent if anything um and also yeah. make sure you share your pictures of your pancakes with us we've seen a few people send pancake pics to us and uh, we've seen them online so yeah show us show us your work and also tell us how many pancakes you had and see if you can catch up with matt's two thousand calories worth of of pancake please do and uh, we do love all your interactions so please share with us on twitter at that food podcast and um, before we move on Stu, i do have a uh, slight grievance to bring up with you again this week <laughs> i like this weekly occurrence <laughs> it's becoming a th- feature isn't it um so i get into a bit more detail later in the pod but um because of you my oven proof my oven proof dish even is uh now rendered completely obsolete and is now in pieces. Oh, really? So thanks for that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> was this for this week's recipe? It was. Again, I'll get to it later. But, oh, crikey. Um, yeah, thanks. I'm a uh, oven-proof dish down. That's all right. Once like Gordon Ramsay finishes doing his new game show and starts inter- interacting with us, the money will fly in. We'll have like endorsement deals from all of the fine oven-proof pot providers that are available on the market. <laughs> Nice, that's the dream, isn't it? Bring it on. <laughs> so um, that leads us into, obviously, um, our week in food. And obviously, it's been mainly covered by things like pancakes, Valentine's Day indulgences. Um, I went on a quest this weekend to cook a, a roast, which was um, delicious. Um, I posted a picture over on the on our Twitter. We said it's That Food Podcast. Um, and I did a nice bit of topside, nice Yorkshire puddings, vegetable stuffing. Very, very nice. And and again, I, I don't know if it's because I just like being in the kitchen and I'm also very, very lucky to have the amount of space I do in my kitchen, but completely stress-free, put some music on, had a lovely couple of hours, ignoring everyone. It was delightful. I think that's probably the thing I enjoy most about it because I'm just left alone. Maybe it's stressful, but less stressful than parenting. Possibly. It sounds like your escapism. I, I, I love it. Um, But we'll get to a little bit of a a a bit of a food nightmare when we get to sort of heaven and hell a bit later um but i thought as we mentioned and obviously this is a weekly podcast i found a few tidbits in the news um that i thought would be worth mentioning to our listeners Oh, so, is this your new uh, food in the news feature? Food in the news feature. As soon as again we can get production <laughs> values to have jingles there will be one <laughs> for food in the news <laughs> So obviously at the moment uh, here in the UK, we are locked down. We are pretty much restricted to going to the shops for essentials. But there's been a huge increase in food businesses which are being prepared in people's homes during lockdown. You see pictures on Facebook. You see pictures on Instagram of people selling things like cakes. But that's that's not everything. There's dinners. There's dishes that are being prepared and people are delivering. I think it's great that people are are acting like this but the food hygiene experts and the chartered institute of environmental health are becoming really really concerned with this they basically the quote they gave is little food businesses are popping up like mushrooms in lockdown and whilst i'm sure everyone's preparing these in in fantastic like everyone's clean because obviously they want to they want to do it but technically if you're selling food you know you need to have the correct the correct paperwork and it just astounded me the number of people that 
are starting little food businesses. They said around 44% of new food businesses have started since the first lockdown and are home-based. And they're, you know, some haven't even registered in the, in the, uh, in the UK. So whilst I'm not suggesting that any, there's any foul play or anything going on here, you know, just be, you know, just be aware of the people you're buying from. Everyone's got to have a trade and it's great. But, you know, if you are concerned, just make sure like food standards agencies are being adhered to um, when preparing these. I mean, have you seen anything through scrolling through social media of sort of meals delivered to your door through people in your local area? Yeah, it does seem to be a increase. Um, and it was something I was thinking about um, actually before you mentioned this, because in restaurants, you have the uh, five-star grading, don't you? I, I can't remember what it's called now, but it basically looks at the cleanliness of the kitchen area, doesn't it? Yeah, the scores um, on guess, the doors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you've got the green sticker on the front. Um, if you've got you know, five stars, it's great, etc., and so on and so forth from there. Um, but I'm guessing that's not set up in homes? No, because even though every food business needs to register before it starts selling food, once you register with a local food authority, um, an environmental health officer visits the premises, and that's when they give you this 0 to 5 rating, or in Scotland, uh, it's a pass-fail. Um, the business can still trade prior to gaining its rating, but they've still got to have this, they've still got to be registered before they start selling the food. So obviously, the rating's vital for consumers to gauge the safety of the establishment they're buying from. So I said, the ones I've seen haven't, and again, that's not saying that they haven't registered and they just haven't been given the rating, because as it says in the uh, the inspection rules, you've got to register, but considering we're in lockdown, environmental health officers are unlikely to be trawling around every single kitchen at the moment due to social distancing and uh, the current government guidelines. But I think it's as time goes on, and hopefully these businesses thrive, because there's nothing better than some home cooks, and especially during the pandemic where people may be out of work and having this ability to make themselves some money. Um, I hope that everyone's registered. I hope everyone stays safe. And I hope that, again, it's one of those things that people are adhering to those food hygiene situations, because you'd hate to be an amateur cook, accidentally make a mistake, and then lose everything by someone becoming ill and then the you know the food standards agency come along and get annoyed but yeah absolutely you don't begrudge anyone um giving this a go do you um you know i'm i'm a dreamer myself i've run a few small businesses in the past um i wouldn't be doing a podcast if i wasn't but (laughs) um (laughs) you know it's uh i've always tried to do things properly so i guess if you are going to be buying from um a small business then obviously just check they've got all the right things in place on to something a bit happier um the f- the former first lady Michelle Obama is going to be appearing in a Netflix cooking show. H- have you Ooh. seen this in the news? <laughs> I have not. I've missed this one. So there is going to be a new cooking show with puppets. The puppets and it's called Waffles and Mochi. Um, and Michelle Obama is going to be featured on this brand new cooking show aimed at children. So it's going to be on Netflix. It's a 10-part series, and it's launching on the 16th of March. Now, so far, I'm not sure. It hasn't specified if it's Netflix in the United States, Netflix everywhere. But the 16th of March is the release date. And, I mean, I looked at some of the pictures, and and it looks really, really uh, appealing to it. So, for example, the show is going to feature highlights of uh, important home cooking over ready... The importance of home cooking over ready meals. Um... 
In it, Michelle Obama plays a supermarket owner who meets the residents of the land of frozen food, waffles and mochi. So it sounds like it could be quite good fun. And everyone loves Michelle Obama. She's the, the general consensus uh, online. She's not the epitome of class. Yeah, I know this isn't about politics. It's about someone who's going to now start encouraging children to get into cooking. So if you've got children, you've got Netflix. And again, if you're one of our um, US listeners or across Europe, if it's on Netflix for you in your territory, 16th of March, keep an eye out for it. Yes, that sounds great. Um, The puppets, is that going to be Jim Henson's company Muppets or not do we know it hasn't said anywhere i haven't been able to find out who has created the uh the puppets they look very very much muppet style but cool well that'd be good for um harriet then exactly yeah i think she'll be on board of it because you know she treats me like a puppet so (laughs) i assume it's all gonna be fine (laughs) and then on to my my final uh final piece in the news um there's a show called The Spark, which is all about food, and Tim Spector has been looking at the seven myths about food that's fooled all of us. And one of my personal uh, gripes is diet drinks, whether it's like soft drinks, zero-calorie drinks. And it, this week, he's sort of gone through... Um, and discuss the impact of low-calorie drink. Because obviously the whole advertising behind it is it's zero calories. We can knock back as much as we want. We're not going to gain any weight because it's zero calories. But he's gone through to obviously identify, and this is the things obviously that you, you'll probably be able to elaborate on further, that so some low-cal drinks come from... His, this is a quote from him directly. It says, some low-cal drinks come from chemicals made from paraffins and all kind of weird artificial compounds. And they have an impact on our metabolism. So they're going to essentially counteract any benefit we have from having low calories. If you put all the people in trials who are on diets as opposed to having regular fizzy drinks, there's no real difference in weight or diabetes at the end of the year. So, I mean, for someone who studied this and obviously got a, you know, knows a lot more about nutrition than I do, diet drinks and zero drinks, is there actually any benefit to them over the regular fizzy drink? So this is something I'd have to refresh my memory on slightly to kind of elaborate a bit more. And it's something that actually we could touch on in the future because I think it is quite an interesting area. Um, I am aware of uh, low-calorie drinks um, being uh, full of chemicals as opposed to sugar. Um, So because they haven't got sugar in, they replace that with a chemical to make it taste nice because that's what sugar does essentially. It appeals to our taste buds, makes it taste nice, makes it more-ish. where they're not able to put sugar in um, and so they could call it low calorie and um, they will use chemicals which I've always thought and I've always had this uh, thought process of that anything that's not natural is going to be worse than something that is natural so sugar is a naturally occurring substance um, so we should use more natural substances um, so from a health point of view and again just going into future podcasts would be quite fun to touch on or interesting at least uh, to touch on um, low fat uh, products as well because they're not quite what they've seen either again before I kind of get into it too much um, and give you the wrong information I will do a bit of a refresh on that one but yeah these low fats low calories you know diet etc not all they're cracked up to be so that is interesting actually and the reason why I brought it up is that I used to, when I worked uh, for a software company, I'd go to the fridge, 
I'd get a bag of Maltesers and I'd get a Diet Coke or a Coke Zero. Um, obviously, other fizzy pop brands are available. And it just made me feeling bloated and unwell. And so I can't... Diet drinks, for me, just make me feel ill. If, if I'm going to have a fizzy drink, it will be a, a regular standard one. And obviously, I know that the volume of sugar in them is incredibly bad for me. Um, and I know you mentioned um, to me during the week that you're starting to delve a little bit into the fizzy drink arena. Um, but uh, do, do you have any... You know, do you have any taste preference when it comes to diet or fizzy drink, diet or full fat drink? I've always preferred the full fat drink anyway. Um, I think there's something a little off about the taste of a diet drink. So if you have a diet Coke and a full fat Coke, I will prefer um, a full fat Coke. I mean, I'm very lucky in the sense that um, I've got quite a fast metabolism, really. So I'm able to kind of burn off those extra calories. Hence all those pancakes I had yesterday. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I guess, you know, from a marketing point of view, if you are uh, worried about your weight, a Diet Coke might be a more appealing option. But again, just kind of have a, maybe think about that before you, you uh, buy your next Diet Coke. Um, no, but for me, my preference would be a full fat. Um, again, twofold. I can get away with it. Also, I do actually prefer the taste. So that moves us nicely on to some food shout outs. Uh, Claire Prescott's been in touch and her daughter Eden has made a beautiful looking cake as part of cooking at home through homeschooling. It looked absolutely delicious. She did a fantastic job with that. Made me instantly very hungry. Nice. What sort of cake was it? it? It just looked very, very chocolatey. And every time I see cake, I just long to eat cake. So she did a great job there. So well done, Eden, for that. Um, did you have anyone get in touch with you uh who's made this week's dish for the pod i did so um helen's been in touch again who made our last recipe um uh so she tried the risotto and she said that the cooking process was very quick and convenient um which is great uh but she wouldn't cook it again because she doesn't like rice so (laughs) (laughs) outstanding outstanding (laughs) Uh, that's that's a good thing though because you're willing to try new things. You, you're willing to try and revisit these these food types that you're not particularly a fan of. So I'm I'm glad that people have have tried it. Um, I assume her oven dish survived. I've not heard otherwise, so I'm assuming so. But yeah, to touch on your point there, uh, great for giving it a try anyway. Even though you're not a big fan of rice, um, and this is what it's all about. Hopefully, opening up some new ideas for people. Maybe trying something that puts you out of your comfort zone. So. Well done for everyone who's tried this week. Um, And we look forward to hearing from you this week as we get into our next recipe. So my purpose behind uh, doing this is I quite like a risotto. It's not the sort of thing that I'll order at a restaurant because I find that the portions are quite small. And again, from time to time, depends on the restaurant you visit, the quality of the risotto. There's no, It's a bit gritty sometimes, I find. But I'm also of the type that I've made a really nice risotto in the past, but it involves a lot of standing at the cooker, ladling in liquid after liquid, waiting for it to absorb and going again. The appeal to this dish was you put everything in, you bang it in the oven for 18 minutes, stir in a bit of creme fraiche and spinach, and then you're done. It's dinner time. Yeah, really quick and easy. Um, As you pointed out last week, perfect meal for a weekday evening, uh, something you could just put together quickly. It's kind of on the level of... um, but a bit posher, I suppose. Uh, like a pasta bake level, it's so easy, isn't it? It's great. Fantastic. So 
The ingredients which we used, did you have any trouble sourcing any of these ingredients? No, I did not have any issues. Um, I used fish stock for the first time. I usually would normally use like a veg, uh, vegetable stock. Um, but I actually bought the fish stock cubes um, just because I hadn't tried them before. So I thought I'd try that. I did worry that it might make it over fishy to overpowering from a fish taste point of view. Um, but it's absolutely fine. How about you? Uh, the only thing that I couldn't get hold of, I couldn't get hold of undyed smoked haddock. So I had dyed smoked haddock with mine. And also, because I like the skin on fish, it suggested that you take the skin off or get skinless haddock. I didn't want to waste the skin. I didn't want to cut the skin off. So I, I included the skin um, in mine. Um, and we only did half portions because there's only two of us and our freezer's quite full of meals we've already frozen we need to work our way through but i think going through this recipe um as you said i could do this i was making play-doh shapes with my daughter my wife whilst cooking this so i could still play with my daughter get everything prepared all good to put in the the oven before i took my daughter up to do bedtime routine by the time i came back down my wife had stirred in the creme fraiche the stim image with the lid on to steam it to finish it all off and it, as you said, it's the perfect midweek meal the way you get something a bit different, something a bit of a treat if this is your sort of dish. And it's really easy to clear away, especially in your instance where you cleared away the crockery by throwing it in the bin. <laughs> well, this is why it took me probably an hour rather than what should have been half an hour, 45 minutes at the most, because I had to transfer dishes um, from one to the other. Uh, just going back, to something at the moment, I completely lied. I did struggle to get the fish that I needed. Um, I couldn't find undyed smoked had haddock either, so I actually went for just, uh, sorry, smoked haddock. I went for unsmoked haddock, just as it was. Um, and with the skin, I did skin it myself, which was a bit fiddly, but then I tried to feed it to the cat. <laughs> he was having none of it, so I was... <laughs> Trying to minimise waste, but he wasn't interested. Um, yeah, so my dish that I keep banging on about. So in the instructions, okay, it tells you to heat the butter in a large oven-proof dish over medium heat. Okay? okay. So I'm assuming you pop your oven-proof dish onto, and this is where I could be wrong, onto a hob, a ring, okay? And you could use it as like a one-pot dish, okay? So you, you put everything in, you stir it all up, and then you put it in the oven to finish off. So this is what I did. However, I'm assuming the unproof dish wasn't heat-proof in that sense, and it ended up cracking down the middle. Oh, one no. nice clean split all the way down the middle, and the, <laughs> and the sauce uh, that I made... Uh, started leaking out over the kitchen top, <laughs> over the uh, cooker top. So that was my my kitchen nightmare this week, if you like. <laughs> oh, good grief! Yeah. So uh, as you said, my 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 oven pot again. It, I I read this as you put it on the hob, you heat the butter, you stir in the leeks, you pour in the rice afterwards, then you add the stock and the milk, and that that's it but so that's the first casualty of that food podcast weekly recipe oh my goodness it it is the first first but the transfer of the dish that went well uh, yeah that was absolutely fine no problem there so i was able to just get another one out of the cupboard and um put it straight in the oven there's no issue uh but 
I thought it was funny to bring it up and <laughs> have another grievance for you this week. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but did you just eat it as is at the end? But did you add anything else extra to it? Or did you just purely have the risotto as it was in bowl and enjoying it? Or did you add anything to serve it with? Um, I, we had it just as it was, actually. Um, so we, again, we just had it in the bowl. Uh, it is full of different ingredients. So we just had it as per kind of it came out of the oven straight in the bowl and straight into our mouths and stomachs. It's great. Yeah, same. Because again, I think that if you're looking from a restaurant standard, you're not going to really have any accompaniment to a risotto. So I went with the approach, same again. We just dished it up, ate it, very, very happy. Would definitely have it again. I've added it to my recipe list and my little bookmarks that I've got. And um, I'd go for it again. Um, So for ease of cooking and simplicity behind cooking it how would you uh would you recommend this for a novice cook or would you say this needs to have a bit more skill to it um easy peasy straight in uh entry level stuff in my opinion um as, as long as you don't crack your oven dish that's fine um i <laughs> it's easy peasy and it's tasty as well so you've got lots of different um different flavors in there um so if you fancy branching out to something that's bit more adventurous than a pasta bake but still at a easy level to cook then definitely give this a go um, and it's great for an evening meal as well really good did you find you were full after it or did you feel that you were i mean obviously i know you've had a day of pancakes the, uh, the day after um did you find you were full after eating it or did you want anything else extra i what did i have i'm wondering if i might have had dessert afterwards <laughs> um i I felt okay afterwards, and then we made, oh, was that Sunday? Uh, my angel delight this week, um, since we're doing that theme occasionally, um, was angel delight. And I think, did I have angel delight Monday night afterwards? I can't remember now, possibly. Um, but no, I think I, as it was, it's fine. I almost went back for seconds, but uh, I actually left because there's some left over, um, and then we had it the next day. So, Excellent. How about you? Um I was very, I was very satisfied with this. I didn't sit there and think to myself, "Oh, I'm still hungry. I want to go and have something else to eat, or grab a bit of cheese, or something else more uh, naughty from the cupboards." And I think that the the recommended sort of uh, nutrition side of things was four four hundred forty four calories per serving, based on the um, on the recipe, which for an evening meal that keeps you, you know, relatively full up. Not too bad. Good levels of protein in it. Quite low in fat. Um, again, if you follow the recipes um, fully and use all the ingredients they've got. So I'd say if this to um, factor in if you're trying to have essentially low calorie dinners as well, uh, 444 calories for something that fills you up. Decent sized serving as well. Yeah, not bad. I'd recommend it. Great stuff. Yeah, me too. Great dish. Well chosen there, Stu. So again, if you wanted to try this dish, um, we've got it on our Twitter feed at that food podcast. Uh, give it a go. If you have tried it and haven't sent us a picture already, send it across to us and we'll share it on our social media platforms. Um, Matt, have you got us a game this week? I have indeed. So it's a fun one this week. Going back to our first episode, uh, we are going to do a good game of calories higher or lower. But it's going to be with a slight twist. So, Stu, are you ready for this? I am ready for the game. I'm ready to play. Good. So, last week you might have seen on social media, um, 
Weetabix caused a bit of a storm by posting uh, their suggest suggestion for breakfast, which is um, Heinz beans on Weetabix. Did you see this, Stu? I did, and I saw quite a few of the other things that they tweeted out as well. It's almost like and a lot of the other food companies tweeted them back going, are you okay, hun? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the one. So um, they caused a bit of a storm. Very good marketing, to be fair. Um, and yes, all the other food companies jumped on. Um, so I thought what we could do is, with a starting point of Heinz beans on Weetabix, we'll look at the calories for that. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'm going to go through a few of the companies that replied to the tweet, um, and we're going to do higher and lower from there. Okay, so we are going to start with Heinz beans on Weetabix, June. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so Weetabix tweet first. They, it's they said, "Why should bread have all the fun when it's Weetabix serving up Heinz beans on six? Uh, on Bix, <laughs> sorry, that's auto-correct, uh, on Bix for breakfast with a twist. Uh, so Heinz beans on Weetabix is, uh, do I want to take a quick stab at this one, Stu, before we get into it? Uh, I, I'd assume a whole tin of Heinz baked beans would be about 400 calories and two Weetabix, maybe ooh, 120. So let's go 520 for the whole breakfast. Okay, I'll let you off a little bit. I did a portion of beans, which would be 85 calories, and then two Weetabix would be 136 calories, so 221 uh, calories in total as our starting point, so 221. Um, then Domino's jumped on board, and they had quite a good line, and this might divide our listeners as well. Um, us, pineapple pizza, uh, pineapple on pizza is the most controversial food ever. Weetabix, hold my spoon. Um, <laughs> so what's your thoughts on pineapple on pizza, Stu? I think I know the answer to this already. We talked about this before. It's very tasty. <laughs> Very tasty, really. You wouldn't, you wouldn't normally mix your fruit with uh, savoury, though, would you? I wouldn't mix my fruit with cheese, and I wouldn't mix my fruit with chocolate. But technically, pineapple is an established brand of pizza with Hawaiian. And as a person who worked in a pizza restaurant growing up in my earlier years, Hawaiian pizza—it's allowed. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, you break your rule for that one, then. Okay. So a large ham and pineapple pizza with a classic crust. Uh, what are we saying? Higher or lower? I mean, a whole pizza, obviously higher. A huge amount higher. <laughs> it is. So, well done. 1,837 calories, and that is for the whole pizza. If you were to have a portion of pizza, which is the suggested amount is three slices, that would be 551. But no one really eats three slices today, Stu. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but more importantly, so is that a large pizza? That is a large pizza, yeah. Crikey. Because the thing is, again, when you think about it, it's like if you're at home alone by yourself, you, you and also you don't just order a pizza, you'll order a side and you'll work your way through it. And granted, I'm now, I now can't finish off a whole pizza if I give it a bash because probably I've finished up with chicken, you know, finished myself off early with chicken dippers and garlic and herb dip. But, oh man, 1,800 calories just for an impulse dinner. Incredible. It's insane, isn't it? Um, yeah, I couldn't finish a whole pizza anymore, but back in the day, I was uh, quite a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Friday night. I'm going to watch some wrestling, order a Domino's, and wake up in the morning with pizza on my face. It's great. But yes, that's it. <laughs> with boxes surrounding you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Um, so Nando's chipped in, and uh, as you quite rightly pointed out earlier, they went with the uh, UK, hun. 
DMs are open. <laughs> DMs are open if you need to talk. <laughs> Classic. Um, so their wing platter for two, um, higher or lower? I'll give you a little bit of uh, criteria here. So wing plat- platter for two comes with either uh, two large or four regular sides as well, and you get 10 chicken wings in that. Oh, but technically that's for, to share. So we're we assuming the person's going to consume the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so I went for the whole pizza. So I thought I'd just go for the whole meal on this one. I think this is going to be slightly lower. I think this is going to come in around 1600 calories. <laughs> wow. You're good, my friend. You are good because that is 1000 634 calories. Have you been doing your homework? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the chicken wing element probably isn't too bad unless until you start putting in the marinades. And, but then it's the sides. And if you're thinking things like you've got either the spicy rice, you've got their fries. And again, fries are going to really start ramping up the calories to it. But I mean, Nando's, everyone goes, oh, Nando's is healthy because it's chicken. No, it's not, guys. It's not. <laughs> No, once you cook it and all the different things they cook it in and then like you say add the sides and etc um it's not it's tasty though um okay <laughs> i was gonna say are you a, are you a nando's fan um i've only been a handful of occasions really it wouldn't be our first choice but it's quite fun to go to a place like that occasionally how about I you just, i just can't trust chicken that can actually be cooked in two minutes and appear on my de- on my t- on my table I just knowing it's been sat there festering, I was like, "Oh dear!" <laughs> it's definitely a microwave ping job, isn't it? Yeah. However, they used to do a wonderful mushroom and chili jam burger, and I was like, "That's delicious!" And annoyingly, it takes them a lot of time to cook because they can't just leave the mushrooms sweating. Oh, I see. Yeah, I haven't tried that, but that sounds good. Okay, so Nando's that was lower than a uh, large Domo's pizza. Okay, uh, K- KFC then chimed in. So traditionally, Nando's rival. However, they said uh, in response to Nando's uh, reply was let's set aside or let set aside no let's set aside our differences to persecute this under the Geneva Convention, um, <laughs> which I didn't really get to be honest, Stu. Can you explain that one to me? <laughs> I have no idea what they're on about, but someone at KFC has clearly read something on the internet and suddenly became like the Colonel probably gave them some unfound intellect. <laughs> Probably. Uh, if anyone listening knows what that means, then pitch in, let us know on Twitter. Um, <laughs> anyway, so their 10-piece bargain bucket, is that higher or lower than the Nando's sharing wing platter? Higher. I, considerably higher. I'm going to go for higher. I'm going to go for about 1,900 calories. You might be surprised by this. Apparently, it's 850 850. What? <laughs> yeah, but then you consider it doesn't come with any sides, which I didn't mention. Uh, um, it's yeah, just true. chicken. Uh, so I might have set you up for a fall on that one. Um, so, what are the scores on the doors there, Stu? I got three right. Sorry, no, I got Domino's right, I got Nando's right, and I failed at KFC. So I two to one uh, this two week. Two to one. Okay, well done. Um, I got one for fun as well because um, Lidl chipped in with something quite funny. Okay, so Lidl went with, uh, babe, are you okay? You've hardly touched your wheat bits on beans. 
I think now, I think for the purposes of science, we should probably try beans on Weetabix. I think we have to now, don't we? I'm not really looking forward to that week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be a quick recipe to cook, though. <laughs> Do you want to take a quick stab at... Um, uh, so Lidl's own brand, uh, Wheat Bixies, with their own brand, Newgate Beans. Uh, want to take a quick stab? Would that be higher or lower than our original uh, Beans on Bix? I think which was 221. Uh, higher or lower? I think it's going to be higher because I think the own brand Bix will have a higher sugar content. So I think they'll be higher in calories and the beans will be a bit sugarier as well. So I'm going to say slightly higher than our friends at Heinz and Weetabix being a good tech team. Yeah, very, very slightly higher. So 225, so only a few in it really. But there we go. Okay, that's this week's game. Well done, Stu. Excellent stuff. It is mind-blowing though. If you think, as you said, to the sort of the younger years where you'd sit and you'd order a pizza or you'd order yourself a KFC, I mean, there was no, you wouldn't really order a KFC because it wouldn't deliver. So you'd always go for something. But I look back at sort of 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, when I was living by myself and it'd be like a Friday night, I could cook, was like, oh, I'll just get a takeaway. And if I'd order something from the Chinese, I'd be like, well, I'll have this but also have some chicken balls i'll also have some prawn toast and then by the time you tot it all up it's like i have consumed essentially my entire week's allowance of of calories and whilst it's nice for a treat i'd find myself doing it on quite a regular basis obviously as as i was younger um some would consider metabolisms a bit better when you're younger but it's it's not necessarily the case and it becomes the norm, I think, especially for people at university or if they're studying. It's a case of Friday night, let's go and do this and then go and get something to eat on the way home. And if you add that in with the volume of sort of calories and alcohol that people would consume if they were drinking as well, I mean, that's quite the food bender you're after there, isn't it? It is. Have you heard of the, um, going back to uni, have you heard of the uni fats or uni thins? No. <laughs> so the uni fats is where you basically eat lots and lots of crap. Um, so takeaway, et cetera, et cetera. Or the uni thins is where you forget to eat um, or you can't afford to eat or you can't cook. Uh, so you lose loads of weight. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, crikey. I mean, I, I didn't go to university, but I'm pretty sure I was the uh, trainee accountant fats with the volume of Chinese or pizza that I consumed in my um, bachelor years. Um, but I, I, even now, I mean, I think out, out of all of those, as we're on the subject of takeaways, if you had a takeaway of preference, what would you go for? Traditionally, uh, as a younger man, it would have been Domino's Pizza. I was very, very keen on that. And um, it's always quite good fun getting together with mates and, you know, having like a gaming evening, um, getting some pizza in or, you know, watching a wrestling pay-per-view or whatever. So that's always kind of like my favorite go-to. Um, I don't order that as much anymore. One, because we live in the middle of nowhere, so we can't actually get it delivered here. Um, it's a bit of a faff to go and collect it. So I will have it occasionally as a treat. Um, to Amy doesn't really like Domino's um, for the amount of money that you pay for it. It's quite expensive for what it is, really. Um, nowadays, I think my go-to, uh, if I could choose anything, would be would be a Chinese, actually. Uh, I really like a Chinese takeaway. Um, Indians as well. I do quite like Indians, but out of the two, um, it would be a Chinese. See, I find... Um... If you have an Indian takeaway, I prefer to have an Indian in a restaurant 
and and a Chinese as as a takeaway. I find that sometimes from an Indian takeaway, and it might just be who I um, have as my options locally. I find on a delivery, it's quite oily. Whereas if you're actually dining in in the restaurant, there's not that level. I don't know if it's just because it has time to sit. And that's what you see when you obviously take it out of the containers at home. Um, And also, I think there's something a little bit more indulgent about having a Chinese takeaway at home rather than uh, in a restaurant. But I I am with you. I think my go-to takeaway, if I was going to treat myself, it would be probably a Chinese beef curry. I, I So I'm sort of getting the best of both worlds. But from our our local Chinese takeaway called Yummy Yummy uh, in Margate, um, they do a delicious Chinese beef curry. and uh, But then again, you start then eking into, well, I'll have prawn toast. Well, I'll have some dumplings. And then it starts racking up. But even then, like you said, the cost of getting some a multiple you know, multiple dishes of Chinese takeaway is still going to be cheaper than what you pay for Domino's. And sometimes if you get a pizza from, let's say, Tesco's or Asda or, or one of the other supermarkets for about three, four pounds, it can sometimes be just as nice as what you get from Domino's. Yeah, I agree. Um, actually, pizza from a supermarket is just as good nowadays, isn't it, really? There's something in Domino's which... They must have like a special ingredient which makes it extra tasty. But to be honest, a uh, a fresh pizza from Sainsbury's etc. is just as good. So I'm all over that. Yeah. So it's interesting you mentioned uh, our Chinese takeaway as your favourite because obviously uh, we have entered Chinese New Year. We have. So it was last Friday. We uh, celebrated a new Chinese Lunar New Year, as they uh, call it. Um, or Spring Festival as well, I think they refer it to as well. Um, do you know what the animal is this year? It is the year of the ox. It is. And do you know what animal you are? No idea. <laughs> no idea. Um, apparently I'm a, a rat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which uh, sounds bad, but they're very knowledgeable, apparently. So uh, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Not good for having around a food podcast, though. <laughs> No, I definitely won't get these five stars in my, in my kitchen. <laughs> so um, we, um, to try and teach our daughter about different things from around the world, we we tentatively uh, had a Chinese New Year banquet um, at home. So we just made a very basic sweet and sour chicken. We made our own prawn toast, uh, bought in a bag of prawn crackers and just did things, very, very basic things that, a three-year-old was likely to eat and she is now very much a fan of it. she called it chinese toast prawn toast she did not like spring rolls and would you believe it prawn crackers went down a treat so much so that by the time i went to look get a few out of the bowl she had consumed every last one of them oh that's amazing um this is quite promising as well because funnily enough for this week being uh chinese new year uh, last week, I actually started thinking about Chinese dishes and um, making them from home, which I've not really done before too much. I've always, you know, if I'm going to get Chinese, I will order. Um, but I wanted to give it a go and try cooking a Chinese dish myself. Um, and another unexpected su- success of that food podcast has been our listeners adopting the idea of World Food Club stew. Um, so we've seen that individuals and families have taken up that idea and they've, you know, traveled around the world in a, again, a virtual culinary sense. Um, and we've had Sai going to Israel. We've had Claire going to, uh, France. So it's really 
good to see that interaction and how that's captured people's imaginations. So I thought that this week we could perhaps tie that in and we could celebrate the Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year, but also we could celebrate uh, people taking on board the World Food Club concept as well. So I thought this year, or this week, sorry, we could um, load up our virtual backpacks and our podcast passports and we could take a little trip to China together. What do you reckon, Stu? Sound good? This sounds excellent. My digital passport is already packed. Um, are we going to a particular region of China to do this or are we just going to sample the culinary delights as we travel? Well, I looked up um, traditional dishes or uh, national dishes in China as a process of inspiration. Um, and there was a few on there which looked interesting, but perhaps too complicated, perhaps too expensive to expect uh, people to go out and try. Um, Peking duck was possibly an idea, but again, I thought maybe that's you know, asking too much of people to try it. So I actually chose a really nice, simple dish. Um, one of my favorites, which I will order from a restaurant as well. So I'm quite looking forward to finding um, how it compares to a restaurant bought uh, version of this dish. Um, so I actually went for a uh, chicken chow main dish, uh, which has been put together by Ken Hom, um, a famous Chinese-American chef. Um, I'm sure if you're into your food, you would have heard of Ken before. He's a regular guest on BBC's uh, Saturday Kitchen. Uh, this recipe is actually on the BBC food website as well. So we'll link that in on uh, our Twitter feed at that food podcast. Um, this dish as well, it only takes 10 minutes to prepare and 20 minutes to cook. So hopefully it should be a nice, quick, simple meal in the evening again. Um, it's a very versatile dish as well. This is a chicken chow mein, but if you're vegetarian, you can take the chicken out and put um, more vegetables in. Um, it's also, again, it's a quick meal, which you could have in an evening after work, or perhaps if you want to make an occasion of it. And if you do want to go the full on uh, World Food Club uh, experience, then you could maybe get a few sides together. So Stu mentioned earlier um, uh, the prawn toast, which he made, um, or the spring rolls, which we can you know easily buy from a supermarket whilst we're picking up the ingredients for the chow mein. Um, and also just the, uh, you know, if you prefer it spicy, maybe you could add a few more chilies. If you don't, you could take the chilies out. So I just thought from a versatility point of view, um, this would be a really good one to try out. And again, you can make it as adventurous as you wish. Um, and hopefully it should be um, should go down well with our listeners. Now, Stu, do you think this is one where you might have to get the fish cakes in the oven or do you think this is going to be uh, Harriet approved? Oh, well, I think because, again, as it's noodles and chicken, she'd probably be involved. It might be a case of I might have to make two separate batches to make sure I've got the spices in. But I think she'd she'd give it a go because she likes slurping noodles. So I think it's it's one I'll probably give a bash at a weekend and try with her. And again, if not, she'll have cheese, cheese toasty if it goes horribly wrong because again it's something quite quick and easy to do but that i think it's a good thing to try things like this because obviously as you said a lot of people if they're ordering from a takeaway standpoint chow mein is the sort of thing that it's really got that authentic taste if you ever tried to make chow mein at home before it just seems to be lacking something i don't know if it's in how the noodles are prepared it just it essentially just turns into a boring stir fry so I, I'm I'm interested to see if if Ken's recipe is going to give me essentially that taste or that that sensation essentially of having this ordered from a takeaway. 
that's my interest in this as well. So, um, yeah, there's something magical in a Chinese takeaway. I think it's called MSG, um, <laughs> which is <laughs> which. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Um, it's uh, an ingredient which uh, makes things extra tasty. Um, this recipe doesn't have that involved, um, so it will be interesting to see how that compares. But I'm really looking forward to it. Again, uh, Amy and I we do World Food Club regularly, so this will be our World Food Club uh for this week and we are looking forward to that so we'll probably put a little bit extra on as well we'll probably get some uh bits to go with it the spring rolls and uh maybe some chinese beer as well if we can find some on the shelves that sounds excellent and again i think it is one of the nation's favorite takeaways and it should be relatively straightforward because one of the good thing about ken hon's dishes is that whilst they sound complicated and obviously he's he's got a lot of flair with him when he cooks the method behind it isn't overly complicated i get the impression especially as you said with a with a chow mein it's not going to be any equipment that you need that you don't already have in the kitchen it's not going to be ingredients that are going to be really difficult to source or relative you know too expensive to to run world food club um with us this week but I'm, I'm looking forward to it again I, I love a chow mein and hopefully i can then get my three-year-old onto a chow mains too obviously my wife will hopefully enjoy it as well yeah and the other fun part is that we can you know explore china in a virtual sense as well so we'll have some fun facts and figures um from the great land of china uh, and we'll be looking at that as well so we'll take a, a virtual tour no th- and that's going to be great so that's one of the things we like about the podcast as as matt mentioned earlier the amount of people who've embraced the idea of what matt and amy create of world food club cooking the recipes getting involved with the podcast it's it's really really nice and also to those of you who've already left um sort of five star review you don't even need to have to write anything down you could just mark it as five stars if you like what we do um our listenership again We've got some more listeners from America, more listeners in the UK, a couple of people from Japan as well. So, And obviously our Croatian listeners are still there. So it's really good so far that people are enjoying what we're doing, listening to the pod, cooking along with us. Um, so thank you very much for, for getting involved. If you do like, like what we do and you haven't done so over, please leave us a review. Uh, it makes us easier to find if people are searching for food or travel-based podcasts. Um, and hopefully you'll enjoy cooking this week's chow mein as well. Yeah, guys, let us know how you get on. Uh, we are on Twitter at that food podcast. Um, I'm on Twitter as well at Coach Wicked. If you want to uh, look me up and check out my pancake pictures, <laughs> and how about you, Stu? Where can we find you? I'm at the Stuart Miller on Twitter, but the best place to contact us, as Matt said, is through at that food podcast on Twitter. Uh, like, subscribe to the podcast, and send us your pictures, and we will share them on our social media platform of what you've cooked. Um, I think that wraps up a fantastic episode. Um, I'm going to go and now Google replacement oven dishes for you. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, don't worry. It's fine. I, only, I just wanted to moan because it's funny. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.